rain tonight and tomorrow. Not the, it's it's not going to turn very cold until Saturday. Saturday night. Saturday cold. night. It's going to be in the 30s. Uh, but fortunately, the rain's going to at least be gone. But it is windy. Mm-hmm. So uh, so be careful. I mean, there could be some uh, limbs down, things like that. Yeah. So, uh, so do be careful here as we uh, get underway on the Thursday edition of The Drive. Dan has Troy women's basketball. He still may pop in, I'm hoping. So, Dan, if you're listening, I, 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 need, I need you to contact us because... <laughs> One of us, one of us needs to to make a quick, a quick exit. Speaking of making exits, he's just entering. Hi, but uh, but Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer is uh, with me for the for the first hour. Yeah. How you doing, Justin? I'm doing great. Um, this week has been a little less busy than last week, but man, opening uh, night of college basketball season. You had the introductory press conference for John mm-hmm. Cohen. Yeah, you got another enough. basketball game. Yeah. You got a big get, big weekend coming up for Auburn football. So it has been uh, it's been pretty busy, but pretty fun. A lot of good stuff to talk about. Oh yeah, no question about that. And a lot more coaches talk. And oh, who's this guy on the other side? Drew is back. Drew, it's good to have you back, man. Hope you hope you're doing all right. Uh, he was. He was uh, really uh, under the weather there it's been for going a few around. days. And we, oh, we've man, you're we've not heard kidding. about the football and the basketball teams both having to deal with that yep. here recently. Had had an awful lot of uh, folks on campus I know that have yeah. that have been you know had flu or flu like symptoms, things like that. So, uh, see, so yeah, I hope everybody doing all right here on the Thursday on this Thursday as we get underway with the drive. And hour number one of the drive is brought to you as usual by our friends at Kia of Auburn on South College and KiaofAuburn.com. Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one. And uh, they're also the sponsor of our hotline. You can uh, call us, uh, give us your thoughts, questions, comments, and the number to get you through is 334-321-1390. You can also text us now that Drew's back. You know, we've been talking about this, but uh, you usually have access to the uh, text box. The Drive Text Box, brought to you by Southeastern Industrial Contractors, an Alabama-based firm offering incredible opportunities for folks seeking a great career without attending a four-year college. You can call 334-209-6355 to learn more. And the text box number is 334-564-564. 1840. So uh, we're underway here on the Thursday edition of the drive. Right, Justin, you were talking about some of the things that have gone on. What's, what is your top story of the last week in Auburn sports? Because there are a yeah. few things to choose from. Yeah. I, I continue. I mean, coaching search and all that kind of stuff will, you know, it, Auburn's weeks away from making a hire at right. this point. It, obviously, the process is ongoing and it's got a lot of people's attention. But man, the comeback that mm-hmm. Auburn had on Saturday night against Mississippi State, down twenty-one to, to down by twenty-one, and for the first time all year, a second half where Auburn was the better team. Right? You know, you you really haven't been able to say that this season, and it just I don't know the energy, the excitement, the passion that Cadillac Williams has brought into the, a team that should just be done, that just shouldn't have a whole lot to play for, and they are fighting. So, so hard. Got a sellout Saturday night. Should be an awesome atmosphere. The last big game in a while in Jordan here, and I think they're going to go all out for it. Yeah, I mean, they have all the uh, attributes of a team that should, you would think, should pack it in. They're a, they have a lot of experienced players who decided to come back yeah. this year, 
and things have not gone the way they had hoped or expected it to go. And usually when you combine a disappointing season with a lot of players that uh, came back for that season, yeah. that's when you usually see the players that are deciding to go ahead and try to either uh, you know get themselves in the best shape possible for um, pro workouts mm-hmm. uh, or, or just thinking about what they're going to do next year, whether it's in football or whatever. Yeah, and, and yet you had Auburn continue to fight really, really hard uh, when they could have easily packed it in against Mississippi State. I mean, they looked, that first quarter against Mississippi State was so rough. Oh, it was. Uh, I was I was afraid that was going to be just one that, oh, you know, it was a good thing there were some other games on. Yeah, and, you know, kind of like Williams talked about after the game, it was just the vibe like, hey, let's just make it competitive. Let's, let's, let's stay in it. Forget the scoreboard. Let's just keep fighting. And if you keep fighting, you keep fighting, you keep fighting, lo and behold, here they are in the fourth quarter with the lead. You know, obviously, obviously Auburn's still not a very good football team this season. Obviously, they've got a lot of problems. Those aren't going to magically go away with an interim coach. But the amount of fight and the amount of heart that they showed made a lot of people proud. And here's the thing. Auburn is a top 15 college football program. Mm-hmm. Um, so moral victories rarely, if ever, happen. Oh, That's yes. the closest right. one I've, I can remember watching at Auburn because usually Auburn's not in that situation. Um, so... They, they they did it, and I think on Saturday they've got a shot to beat Texas A&M, a team that's in a very similar situation just with a permanent head coach at this point uh, and a whole lot more disappointment. Um, you know, it, the matchup is not terrible. Uh, no, it's all. not. I think it's a pretty good matchup for Auburn. A- A&M yeah. uh, has struggled to stop the run, and their offense has just struggled. Yeah, their offensive line is worse than Auburn's this season at allowing pass pass pressure, like quarterback pressures. Like, and I know that's been the big problem for Auburn all year. It still was against Mississippi State. Um, they've got a running back uh, in in Devin A. Chain that is really good yes, and it, it can make a lot of plays. And so, like, that's a big concern for Auburn in this in this matchup. But you know, Connor Wyman two weeks ago when he was healthy and was able to play uh, against Ole Miss. Look good. Mm-hmm. Um, this matchup, though, first road start, you yep. know, for a true freshman. First uh, road start at on a struggling night, offense at, at night with the atmosphere. I mean, again, if it were just any other three and six team on the road, it would be like, oh, that's sort of where you'd like to ease him in on the yeah. road. But I, I don't feel like this is going to be an ease him in situation. The crowd is 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 going to be a factor, I believe, Saturday night. And, and Auburn's coming off of their best game rushing the passer and now yes mm-hmm. mississippi state gives you more opportunities than any other team in the country to rush the passer sure. but even on a per play bit per snap basis if you just look at the efficiency and they got home with a bigger percentage of their snaps than they had all year man rotating that defense we've been talking about it for a year and a half now right. like where in the world is the rotation well they do it and i think some of it was out of necessity i think some of it was guys weren't 100 percent in the week before and they had to play but i mean when you when you go nine drives in a row without giving up a touchdown to an air raid offense, giving up points at all to an air raid offense, and at different points you have walk on linebackers on the field, and you have defensive linemen you hadn't seen most of the season, and they're still making plays. I'll tell you about the way those dudes were playing last last Saturday night. You know that that brings up a question. Somebody asked me, and I couldn't give them an answer. They said, "But it's the same. It's the same defensive." Coaches, including the same defensive coordinator. Got a question in my mailbag tomorrow that asked the exact same thing. And the only thing I can think of, go back to when Cadillac was asked about it. I believe Mark Murphy was the one who asked him about it on Monday. He said, like, look, let's, it's just simple math. If guys 
play less at the beginning, they're going to be fresher for the end. And he was like, and that's something we're going to have to do. I honestly think it's a directive from the head coach down. And I also think it, it, it has to be. It I has mean, to it, be. It has to be. And then on top of that, I also think what's the best way to make sure your, your guys, even in the toughest of situations, I mean, you can do the motivational speeches, you can do the raw stuff, and, and like Cadillac's obviously very good at that. But the best way to keep guys locked in and motivated in a year where in the rest of the season where it looks bleak and it's been a rough season is making sure that everybody's going to eat. Yeah, you're going to get a chance. Yeah. And and it gets to the point where, I mean, Jeffrey Embaugh has a great game. And and we had not seen him in a month. And he was the JUCO def- he was the ju- number one JUCO player in the country last year. And you didn't see him. Now, the guys ahead of him, Marcus Harris, uh, Colby Wooden, obviously, and, and so, you know, uh, Jason Jones for what he can bring as a, as a nose. Those guys need to get a lot of snaps, but they don't need to be playing every snap. Well, and, and they're better. I mean, they're better right now than he is, but he's not going to get better if he doesn't play. No, and, and to me, he looked a lot. He, you know, the plays he made. Auburn, they, they looked loose. They looked yeah. like, you know, they, they were. Uh, one of the things Cadillac talked about was, you know, making it simple. And, and and that's what it appeared. They weren't thinking. They were just getting after go it. Out there, go out there and play. And you can scheme it up and stuff like that, you know, with it. And you gotta you got to make adjustments. But I go back to, yeah, I mean, the two of the biggest defining characteristics of Auburn's run under Kevin Steele with their defenses is a simple defense, and they rotated a lot. A lot of dudes played, especially at the line of scrimmage, and they kept things simple. It's just, mm-hmm. here's what we're going to do. It was going to be, we're going to rush four. We're going to play, have two linebackers in the box. We're going to be five. It's just going to be cover two man or something like it. Y'all are just going to have to out-execute us. And I think, you know, obviously Auburn changes things up, and it's a different scheme. But, like, there was a lot of that. Like you said, like, it was just simple. It was like, can you make your assignment? Can you play, can you play your ball or not? Cut it loose and, and play. And in the first quarter, they had a hard time. But the other thing about the Mike Leach offense, um, they've had some tweaks and they've had some changes, but the joke about it for years has been it's, it's the same four, plays, it's the same the four plays over yeah. and over again. And so when Auburn adjusted and made it, I mean, even then, like those guys after the game, I asked every one of the defensive players we talked to in Starfall, I said, all right, what happened? What was the difference? We didn't make any adjustments, really. We didn't change. I think everybody just settled down and got comfortable. And, like, it's a lot different if you're like trying to fight for you know an SEC title and you're and you're doing that. But at this point, when it, you're under an interim staff and you're just playing for pride at that point, yeah, cut those guys loose and let them let them rock. And I think back at home against a struggling offense, mm-hmm. it's the other thing too. And it's I know State struggled in the middle of that game on offense. Mississippi State is far better in Starkville than they are on the road this season offensively. Right. It's one of the biggest gaps. Now you're back home playing a team that struggled even in their own building on offense. You got to be able to take advantage of that if you're Auburn. Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer. Bill Drew at the controls here on the Thursday drive. Love for you to join in. 334 321 1394. We get to our first break, Justin. Uh, as you said, there's a lot that's been going on. Let everybody know if they've missed out and haven't gotten yeah. in yet what you've had the last few days. What's oh, coming man. up on the Observer? There, there's a ton. Uh, I did a story, uh, it's a stories this week. I did one on John Cohen in the, in the football search. Um, using something I thought he, we'll talk about it, I'm sure, but a great press conference from him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, coverage of Auburn basketball had a lot of that here this week. Going to have more tomorrow. Um, we previewed everything going on, whether it's basketball or football today on our, on our podcast. Did a story about Auburn's pass rush, what we were just talking about earlier this week as well. Um, and then, yeah, this weekend, USF uh, basketball, Texas A&M football. Going into the next week, huge mailbag tomorrow, one of the biggest ones I've written. A lot of coach talk in that one. Uh, people, I had a question, my lead question, I'll give you a preview. My lead question is somebody just said, 
just talk about Deion Sanders. And I was like, all right, here we go. And this is <laughs> These are my thoughts on Deion Sanders. So AuburnReserver.com, $60 a month or $60 a year to sign up. We email everything uh, to your inbox, and uh, there's a ton of it right now. Definitely uh, uh, go ahead and uh, subscribe. 334-321-1390. That's the Kia of Auburn hotline. We'll get to our first break. Come on in and join us here on the uh, Thursday Drive. Let's get back to The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the Thursday Drive, 18 minutes after 4 o'clock. Bill, Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer, Drew at the controls, and uh, we'd love for you to join in. All right, let's uh, let's get into some of the talk. I'm sure we'll, we'll get back and talk more about Auburn and Texas A&M, but uh, let, let's move on. The official introduction, the introductory press conference of John Cohen, I thought um, about, as, as, about as good an intro press conference as I can recall, now that, that doesn't mean everything. There are a lot oh, of no. people that can win the press conference. People were impressed by Alan Green's press conference. Uh, people were impressed by Brian Harson's press conference. Hundred um, percent. But John Cohen has been around this league, and I I I, I don't have any um, I don't have any feeling that he's not his own man. That he is he's going yeah. to be the person making the decisions. He is. I think he's going to cast a wide net. He did that at, in Starkville with this football hire, um, and he did it twice. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm really intrigued by him moving forward. Uh, you could tell, though, from what Chris Roberts said and kind of what he, he had said, like the fact that he's done it before in this division, um, I mean, it just it just makes you think, like, all right, Auburn's kind of getting into a spot now where, you know, they went out, they went out and got – Alan Green, who had never been an AD mm-hmm. in this conference, right. he had been he had that experience here, and then they go and get never, Brian. Yeah. They go get Brian Harson, who had never been a head coach, you know, in a big conference before, and it didn't work. It just feels like everything's kind of pivoting towards all right. What can we do that like is a fit here? It's going to be successful here. Um, I thought I thought Cohen's press conference was great. I think his uh, uh, my big question for him, and it obviously got asked, is like why? Why do you come here? When you have your alma mater and you, and you've um, you know you've had you've had success there and it was like, I mean he basically flat out said it for everybody. It's like without you, without you know taking any shots at his alma mater. Yeah, it's, it's like it's, it's, it's just, it's, you, just have it more, you just have more resources at Auburn. Mm-hmm. You have a better chance to be successful. Like nothing against Mississippi State, but he mentioned Auburn's got twenty two national championships. State has one, right? And they just got and it, it happened under under his right realm. Um, you know, it's the you know, that stadium Saturday night. I mean, the amount of people that were leaving when that game was competitive, and even going into overtime, it just kind of felt flat. Like smaller stadium, it's, and then you're going to see what Jordan Hare is going to look like on Saturday mm-hmm. night. It's just, it's just different. It's just different. Um, and so to hear him say that and kind of lay it all out, why is was very interesting. And uh, I mean, I I think Auburn's a great AD job to have. And I think another thing that really helps him, he's got to make this big hire for football, and that's one of the cornerstone pieces of your of your athletic department obviously but he made a good point is like he's inheriting a great well-rounded group of coaches you're either auburn's got coaches right now that have either had a lot of success at their current job or they are putting the building blocks forward right. to putting there i mean like, it's hard to find a program at auburn where you're like 
yeah, you don't feel optimistic about the future or you can't point back to recent success. I mean, it's it's across the board pretty much where you can feel like they've got they've got things rolling in the right direction. Yes, and uh and and he, you know, he, he talked about the ADs that he has worked with. Oh yeah. And uh some have mentored him. It's it's an all-star list. I mean, from Jeremy Foley to Mitch Barnhart when he was when he mm-hmm. was an assistant and then being mentored, really mentored by Greg Byrne and Scott Strickland yeah. at Mississippi State. And shown how I mean, he's a baseball coach who moved into that role. He's been in administration. he was in administration working in an administrative role as well as being the, yep. the head coach before he was the A D. Yeah, and, and and so it's like this is not a guy that, you know, doesn't know what he's doing for any means. Like, oh, it's a coach. You know, it's old school. Like, you don't usually you don't have coaches go into being you know ads anymore. That's just that's a bygone era. Um, but he's he's one of the few, and I think there's a there's a, a lot of that that crosses over that does well. I also appreciate just from a media standpoint his press conference on um on Tuesday. I feel there's still a lot of that coaching there where he's not up there just saying stuff just to say it. Not a lot of empty. <laughs> like when he didn't want to talk about something or get into specifics. Oh yeah, of you had, when when he was asked about you know the the, the timeline, the co- co- right? Anything about the coaching? Yeah, uh, he's like, search. hey, we're not going to get into specifics. And then there were some really good answers he had that were just very simple. Where it's like I feel like a lot of times people who are in who are ads and people who are in that. You get a lot of like PRE kind of like, right. le- and it's Fluff. just yep. boom straight to the point. I wanted, I wanted the list of fifty-eight. I did too because he said, "Could well, you we, see it he from said, there?" Yes, I could. Yeah, the, I couldn't read he wasn't it. Making it up. No, I mean there were that f- sheet was full of small. <laughs> there type. were so many bullet points on there. I just, I just kept seeing the line. He of said, "If points. we had an hour or more, and I wanted to go, I got plenty of time, dude. You can tell me whatever, whatever your, uh, whatever's on your mind. Did find it funny." Somebody, I think it was Andy Staples, who pointed it out when he was like, "You know, what does this start? What does this job start with?" And he's like, "Well, it starts with culture, and it starts with X's and O's, and it starts with recruiting." And it's like, so everything. It's like, yeah, but that's a good point when you talk about this coaching search, and this is why all all, all three of those are very important. And, but you very can't, important. You can't be a specialist. A spe- yeah, you can't be a specialist no. and, and compete with no, Kirby Smart, he, and Nick because, Saban. It, because well, if if you don't have, you can't just be bringing in talent and not know what to do with it once you get it. And you can't be you team can't, culture and, and, oh, I've been able to but, scheme but everything. Not, and but not rec- yeah, but not You recruit. just had that. Right. <laughs> right. And so that's where I think with Deion Sanders. That's why the, the F word is. Yes, the is F word is very important. Um, that's like with Deion Sanders, right? Like a bunch of people have been asking about Deion. And my thing with him is is that, like, I think it's to be the, because of the fact he's only been at Jackson State and it's only been three years, and I don't know. But it's like if you ask him about, he's got definitely got the recruiting. Everybody can say he's got the recruiting. Yep. It's like the culture, the team culture. Well, I can see what he's doing at Jackson State. Is that what Auburn wants? I don't know. I legitimately don't know. Like this, that's not me, you know, being rhetorical. But and then also the X's and O's. Is he going to be the guy to get it, or is he going to have the people to get it in the SEC? Because and you can think, well, he he should because of his star status, but uh, you don't know. Right. You that's why. That's why. What he would his is, staff look like? Who is, would he want to bring in? Yeah. Is he going to carry over a bunch of people from Jackson State? Because I get the loyalty there, and I get that sure. aspect, but also you're in the best conference in, in football, and you are and you are going up against all star cast of assistant coaches, and that you got and and you will be a coach who has not done the, done this in this league before. So that's my whole thing about Dion, where it's like I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm not saying it wouldn't work out. I think it's a gamble. 
but it's such a huge gamble that man, if it hits, I mean, you talk you talk about a a lottery ticket, right? There. Oh, you're right. It could it could it, it's going to be. He is going to get an opportunity mm-hmm. if he wants, yeah, to be a power five coach. And when he and when he is hired, it will be. I've said this before, and I, I and I haven't had anybody disagree with me. It will be the biggest splash that, that there has ever been. For a still, new head coach, I still in college. I still think Georgia Tech would be a great place for him. Just he needs somewhere where he's. I I, I, I don't think, think it, it would has be to good be a place like Auburn. It, he doesn't have to about. jump right into the SEC West. Yeah, jumping into the ACC would make sense. Yep. Um, when he was talked about as a guy for TCU, now obviously TCU made the right move there, but or, or, uh, or the or or the Big Twelve in Texas. Yeah. you know, you know, out in there maybe. Yeah, like who, like you know, I, I don't. I don't know if Nebraska necessarily is the move there. Yeah, that just doesn't seem that doesn't but, seem right. It just seems I mean, like, man, seems like, like Dion would want warmer climes than. Uh, well, I mean, than, it, than Nebraska. I don't know if anyone's capable of fixing Colorado, but I think Dion would give it a heck of a shot. But Arizona State would be. I mean, he yeah. would do oh, work in Arizona State. Yeah, it's like jobs like that. It's not necessarily these places where like, all right, you have to compete with Lane Kiffin and Kirby what about, Smart. Uh, and, like South Florida. South Florida would be a really good hire. I'm interested to see what South Florida does because, like, I like Jeff Scott, and that did, that I mean that was oh, that nice. was not uh, oh it didn't work out. It was like no, it never worked. No. Like it was never a situation where that was, that was sort of like Chad Morris. I mean, it was just a well. Somebody brought brought this up to me this week. None of Dabo's guys to this point have been successful on their own. No, you're right. Jeff Scott and didn't make it work. Brent Venable's not off to a great start at Oklahoma. Tony Elliott's off to a really yeah. rough start at Virginia. Uh, and then, of course, you know Chad Morris. I oh, know he wasn't but, but, always under. But under Clemson him. doesn't seem the same without those guys. And the funny thing is, the one, the one that you might be able to say who was on that staff or on his staff and say that's the one that might work is probably the guy who least spent the least amount of time. That's Billy Napier. And Billy Napier. True. He got fired there. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he didn't work out at Clemson, and he still, you know, he was he was the you know he, he was the guy that wasn't the he was there before the super success story, um, but. Yeah, that one's that one's gonna be weird. I'm interested to see what South Florida does. I'm interested to see what Tech does, but like the more and more this goes on, even though Nebraska got a huge head start, even though Wisconsin got a got a head start, it's like it's still very I think clear. Wisconsin's that, got their man. I think they do as well, um, and I think it's a good move. Mm-hmm. Um, Auburn's gonna be the best job, and and Auburn is the swing. best job unless they embarrass Texas A and M Saturday night. Then, I think I think that I, gets interesting. Yeah, I, I think if A and M not just not because, just loses, but if they lost like decisively, yeah, uh, I don't know that that the A and M boosters would have any trouble going ahead and opening up. A and M A and M ain't gonna have a problem getting that money. A and M ain't gonna have that problem. That a that money ain't real, and b it's Texas A and M. Like they have one of the it's one of the biggest schools in the world. It's got one of the biggest endowments, one of the biggest alumni bases on planet Earth. They're gonna be able to get that money. My that would be interesting because if A and M comes open, yeah, then then, then, the then number, it's not the same. Then the number one target that everyone's talking about for Auburn, I think be, that becomes really interesting. Yes, because if it's a straight up bidding war and A and M's on the market, you lose. You're going to lose that one. Yep. Sorry, like even though Auburn has been more successful as a program historically than Texas A and M, you ain't got their money. No. You just don't, and nobody does really. So that's that. I mean, there's even more intrigue, I think, than in the Alabama Ole Miss and the Auburn Texas A&M game for some some other if things. They, that, if they lose, if they lose, they don't make a bowl game. No, this was a preseason top ten team. If if a preseason number six team goes four and eight anywhere, the coach is gone. I mean, that's uh, just yeah. that's just the way it is. All right, we'll get to our bottom of the hour break. We'll talk some basketball. 
When we come back, love for you to join in. 334-321-1390 as we continue here on the Thursday Drive. With Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email us at thedrive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Thursday afternoon. Hard to uh, get used to, you know, it's 4.30 and I'm about to say evening, uh, but yes, it is. Getting, sort of getting used to uh, losing daylight savings time, Justin? I, I, I think, it, is it Tuberville who made the motion that, that this should be part, like daylight savings time should be part, he should yeah. be, he was one, of, like, I'm, I'm all for that, um. I, I, don't, I don't have a problem either way. It's just once I once I really get to used something. to it, it's tough. It's I, tough for the first week or so. I, yeah, I don't like it getting this dark this early. It's just my especially now that I mean we are in the about as east as you can get to in the central time zone, right. so we it are. affects us a whole lot differently. Um, it was funny though, like late game on Saturday night in Starkville. I'm working afterwards, and I did appreciate. I did appreciate the extra hour this weekend just because I felt like I needed it. But it was weird. Like, I was working, and I saw the clock on my my, my uh, MacBook jump back an hour, and I was like, <laughs> I'm going to take Thank full you. advantage of this yeah. first hour. And then the, then two days later, I'm sitting there, and it's like, you know, 5 o'clock, and it's dark. And I was like, oh, I hate this. I yes, remember well, I, I hate it, this. Well, the thing is, your body is going, you know, it's time to eat. And it's yeah. like, no, we've got at least another hour or or it's time or or it's late and you look up and go, oh no, it's not late. And that yeah, those those things are not good. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, hopefully everybody getting accustomed. All right. Uh, what we're just just getting started with, as well as daylight savings time, is college basketball season. And uh Auburn with with a win over George Mason, eighteen point win over George Mason. Uh, it it wasn't the prettiest game you'll you'll ever see. Not on offense. I mean, man, that defense. I was going to say they will really get after you defensively. The only thing that's going to hold Auburn back uh, could be some officials with uh, that that are quick to blow their whistles. Yeah, this this defense has got a ton of potential. I mean, everybody's more experienced coming back, and then the new guys that you do have, I think, have plugged in really really well uh, with that defensive system. They're going to be more physical than they were last mm-hmm. season, and uh, you know. The shooting's not good, and the shooting hasn't been good recently. I get that. Like, there's time for them to improve in that. There's plenty of time for that. I, there's a lot of variance with your with your shooting stats early in the season. However, I I'm just really really impressed by the fact that that team looked that good on defense in the first game because that I mean that's setting the foundation. Uh, stuff on offense usually varies a lot more. I mean you. You usually are what you are on defense, very, right? Very often, yeah. And and you don't usually see. I mean, if if you're if you're playing that well defensively early on, you would expect that to carry. Yeah, you know that hundred percent. Offense, offense uh, can be up much more up and down uh-huh. than than defense. Yeah, I, I will also say to to 
you know, this game, like George Mason was a very efficient offense in college basketball last season. They were top fifty. They had a lot of they had a lot of guys back. Five seniors. I mean, starting in that lineup, uh, a couple of graduate transfers among them. Yeah, this is this was a really good team that was a top fifty team last season. And if it, I'll point it out this way, this 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 thing as well. And it's a different team, obviously. Some pieces are back, but they brought they brought a lot of their experience back. Um, you know, George Mason beat Maryland on the road last year, beat Georgia on the road last year, and played a almost a full forty minute game against Kansas in Allen Fieldhouse, and Kansas ended up winning the national title. Auburn. Never really was was yeah was shooting out. as poorly as they did. I mean, you can they shoot, were in control. You can shoot that badly when you're forcing throughout. that many turnovers and winning the boards that well. When you're limiting them to one and done possessions and you're getting extra shots, I mean, this that's that's exactly what you want to you want to see from defense was great, rebounding was great. A lot of it's just they just got to shoot the ball better. But even still, I thought in the second half of that game, if you look at their efficiency numbers in the second half for a team that they didn't have to rely on um, points off turnovers, they only had. I think it was only three points off of turnovers in the second half, and only one uh, fast break point in the second half. They actually executed some more in the in the half court and got some things going. It's just the outside shootings not great. You play South Florida tomorrow night. You had a rock fight with them last year uh, in Tampa. Um, I don't know if you saw what South Florida did. They lost to no, South. I didn't. They they lost to Southeast Missouri State on opening night, shooting like twelve percent from deep. Like they were even worse <laughs> than Auburn. There were, there were, you know, Auburn. Yeah, Auburn wasn't alone. I mean, yeah, Alabama. Uh, Alabama was worse. Whew. But uh, yeah, South Florida. South Florida is interesting. Last year they were, I think they ended up being the worst three point shooting team in America last season. Um, they were, they just rely on like a you know pack line defense mo- mostly, uh, getting things going that way. And they won a low scoring, ugly game. And Bruce Pearl said today, like it'll probably be a low scoring game. All the praise about South Florida, though, you can tell is on their defense. They played Southeast Missouri State, a team that's not very good. They were in the 300s on Kempom at home and got outshot, like, clearly. Um, I think Southeast Missouri State hit, like, 10 or 11 threes on them. The shots are going to be there. The way they play their defense, they are going to collapse, try to protect the rim, and just dare Auburn to try to hit perimeter shots. If they can do that, it could get really ugly. Mm -hmm. Because I think, you know, as well as Auburn looked, you know, it was Auburn played on uh, off on defense in game one against George Mason. This South Florida team is nowhere near what George Mason is on offense. This is not the same kind of team. Now they could be competitive, they could play better. It's early in the year, but um, you know they're in a really good spot to make a statement here uh, in, in in the second game of the season. And you know, on top of that, I think things are getting. I mean, they experimented a ton with their lineups and their rotations in uh, in the first game. I think that'll continue. So that might have an effect on their offensive flow. Uh, and then also, like Bruce Pearl had some pretty good news today that Chance Westry back at practice. Yeah, um, that 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 could be huge. Getting I mean, to full speed, and and I, I I would first I'd want to pump the brakes a little bit because a couple of people have said, well, there's the guy. He's going to go out and shoot forty percent, maybe. But I I mean I wouldn't count on would that count. to he be for him to be the guy that to really jack your three point shooting percentage up. I think your chance of having your three point shooting percentage go up is guys like Katie Johnson and Wendell Green Jr. Yep. and Zepp Jasper shot like they have in the past, mm-hmm. right? Zepp had a, a, Zepp was really good at shooting the three, and he had decent numbers percentage wise last year. Just didn't do it, just didn't shoot it enough. You know, at College of Charleston, we was playing more off ball with Grant Riller. He did a great job that uh, with that. Katie 
was a much better shooter his first season. You know, at Georgia, um, Wendell had better numbers there. It's just, can you make that adjustment with that experience? That's going to be the difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, but obviously, a guy like Chance Westry can't help you if he can if he can shoot like that. No, uh, and I still no. think I still think Alan Flanagan and Chris Moore can be much bigger weapons. Well, oh, that's true. Now, uh, uh, Bruce saying Chance most likely won't play tomorrow night. Most likely won't play tomorrow night. I think you might be able to target some sort of return. I think the best case scenario for Auburn if he's not out there tomorrow night. You play him some point next week. I think you would love if you were Auburn to get him one of these home games here before they go to Cancun. I think mm-hmm. that's going to be the ideal scenario. They play Texas Southern the end of next week. That is the lowest rated of the four teams Auburn plays at home to start the year. Although Texas Southern usually is a team that makes the tournament out of the out of the swag. Um, that would be a great time. I think you put him out there, get him some run, and then when you go down to Cancun, you can like game plan with him a little bit more. And I'm fascinated to see where they end up playing him uh, because he does have value as a backup point guard. He does have value also as a two or a three. And, like, I think it's just going to be a matter of who he plays with and when uh, where Auburn utilizes him. And well, I think he, yeah. Uh, he looks he, so good he, he playmaking against Israel. He was, he was probably going to start, wasn't he? I mean, That's what Bruce said. That's what Bruce said. And I think you're at a scenario, like, where, you know, with, with Alan Flanagan – you know, less than you know, missing time been less than a hundred percent in the preseason. Yeah, you know, that's where Chris Moore stepped up and won that job, and and for now, and I think Chris, I think right now it's looking like Chris Moore and Alan Flang, and that's going to be about as close to a twenty twenty split as you're going to get mm-hmm. with your minutes. But does Westry come in and change that? I mean, if he gets if he catches fire, and I'm not, I don't think it's going to be early, but like if we're talking mid to late December, and it's like Westry's now in the starting lineup, I wouldn't be surprised about that at all. Um, and I think Bruce, we'll see. Trey Don- if Trey Donaldson can consistently give you good offense in their in minutes whenever Wendell Green's not out on the floor as a backup point guard, it's huge for that team because when you when Westry gets into the game, you now have a secondary playmaker. You're not having like you're not having to sit here and say, well, you know, Westry's just going to be the point guard. He's just going to be the facilitator of the offense. It opens things up so much more if you have another guy on the floor that can initiate offense to get things going. Um, and, and I think I think Bruce would love to ha- keep him at the two or the three, but maybe his best value is at the one. We we will find out. And then there's the uh, the front court. I mean, there that 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 is a fun group to watch. Auburn Auburn's never had those kind of numbers. And um, I thought the other night Dylan wasn't great in the exhibition. He was much better. He was he was so much good, better. so good on defense. Uh, great on, rebounder. On um, just. Just to, I mean, only had one basket, but yeah, you know, he didn't. I think he only took like a couple shots. He doesn't have to score a ton. Nope. On the on the other side, though, Janai Broom playing less he's than a gun. He's going to score. He's good. He's good. I mean, this he is, a, is he is as good around the basket. I, I don't know that all. I'm trying to think of Auburn's. Has Auburn had anybody you can think of that was? I mean, that polished around the basket. Yeah, I mean, with some size. No. Yeah, Wiley wasn't that wasn't as polished, I think, as Janai is. His footwork is really good, mm-hmm. and he and again he's playing less than a hundred percent right, right now. He's had that bum ankle, as Bruce Pearl called it. Um, yeah, no, I, I I thought you know Janai Broom last season, like few players in college basketball had as much of a volume of their team shots as he did. Like he is he is built for war down there. Like this is not a you know Walker Kessler. Obviously, one of the best to ever lace him up at Auburn. He's going to, you know, he's already getting off to a good start in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Walker Kessler was not that offensive guy, and Bruce even talked about it today. He's like, it's just the the post game is just not something that people do anymore. 
And in the NBA, you don't see a lot of post game anymore because the athletes are too big and too strong, yep. and you're just better off playing playing you know fast break. Your fives, your fives are either guys that are rim running or shooting threes or both. Um, Janai's kind of old school, and I think that's going to really help Auburn a lot because we'll we'll see how teams adjust. But like, there's not a whole lot of defenses that see back to the basket centers that are like that's their you know that are as polished as he is early on. And I think that's going to be a weapon that Auburn can use early. Then you got Jalen Williams. Then you got uh, uh, you know Yoan Treyor. I thought Yoan looked great in flashes, and then I mean again, like the thing with Yoan, I thought coming in was like he's just going to be a little bit more talented version, at least on paper, of what you had in JT Thor as a freshman. Where it's like, man, it's just going to be flashes. It's going to be flat. Very Chuma's freshman season reminds me yeah. a lot of that as yeah, well. Where it's yeah, like that's a good one. He puts it all together. It's going to be terrifying, but it's like early on, he's he, it's going to be flashes, and then the best guy like. One of the best guys to pair with with uh, with a guy like Dylan Carwell is a center who can score on the inside consistently. Mm-hmm. I think the best guy you can pair with a five star raw true freshman is Jalen Williams, who whenever he's in the game, it's just like steady as it can be. He's going he's going to get you a bucket. He's going to make the right play. He's going to make the right read. Not going to be flashy about it, but it's just going to be smooth and consistent. And like that's a great balance they have so many different lineups that they can pull off like that zepp and katie i think are a great pairing at, at the two just because they 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 complement each other so well and how opposite yeah, it's not they the can exact be. same guy you're, you're you're exactly right uh we'll get to our final break we'll uh, uh take a closer look at the auburn texas a&m game and get some thoughts from uh, from justin about the coaching search which as he said uh still should be weeks to go but uh, it's the, the, the days are uh, dwindling a little bit from um, as as we look at when that hopefully optimally would be done. We'll get to our final break here of hour number one. Love for you to join in three three four three two one thirteen ninety as we continue here on the Thursday Drive. The drive continues. 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 The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive. Final segment here of hour number one here on this Thursday afternoon. Bill and Justin Ferguson. I thought uh, I thought we were going to hear from uh, Scott Bagwell. You know, I just realized that as we're moving on here. It's Thursday. I thought thought we'd get a little uh, preview. Maybe I mean maybe he's got uh, he, he may have basketball or something going on. Yeah, probably. Um, but but Auburn and Dothan uh, tomorrow night as as uh, boy that this this region showing its dominance with all four teams winning. Yeah. Enterprise at Central, Dothan at Auburn uh, coming up tomorrow night. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll get a chance to talk with Scott uh, in, 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 well, maybe in hour number two. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We will have David Pascal from the Chattanooga Times Free Press joining us um, right as we get started in hour number two. Um, meanwhile, Justin Ferguson with us for a few more minutes. And Auburn and Texas A&M tomorrow night, we talked a little bit about it and some of the matchups. Uh, something else before we get into the matchups, Justin, that I think is uh, worth noting I think tomorrow night, I think, excuse me, Saturday night, I think that could be a pretty good night for for Auburn to showcase yeah. to recruits. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's a, you know, 
Whoever, come, come look at come look at what a crowd can do behind a three and sixteen. Also, this weekend you are opening your new football facility. That is correct. That'll be helping you going tomorrow. Yeah, I am. All right, see you there. Um, yeah, I mean that's that'll that'll definitely help. I mean, whoever the new head coach is, whatever that looks like, is going to have to do work. I do think it's really good timing for Auburn that they are in the midst of a coaching search in the year where the NCAA said, okay, we'll push back early signing period a little bit more. Uh, it is right before Christmas, yes, December twenty first. Yeah, little, little bit, little bit better this time. A little bit of an easier window to 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 move this year. But like, yeah, it's you know, you can't make up like these uh, these in game these prime time official visits. You know that you can get uh, with an actual game atmosphere. Like that's you know those are so so valuable. And so no matter who the next coach is, bringing those guys in for that and then hammering away. You know, after the after the hire is made, you gotta have that combo. And I, Cadillac Williams and this interim staff is the one that they are the ones to get that done. And I mean, the players, it's not just the official visits with Alabama. Play, of Alabama and Georgia are playing at Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there, there's plenty of opportunity, and I'm sure that Cadillac and and staff and everybody involved with Auburn is saying, "Come on in, yep. come on in." You know, check out this atmosphere. Check out the new facility. There's so many things right now that line up very well for Auburn. I mean, if you're going to make a coaching change, you hate to be making coaching changes. You know, it it feels like over and over, even though we've talked about this, Auburn does not historically, they have not made more changes than than most schools. But if you're going to make a change, and right now there's no doubt in my mind, Auburn is the most attractive position that's open. Um, you have a new president who I have full confidence in is making his decisions, who has hired an AD, who I feel is making his decisions. And you have an NIL collective that Sounds is work. really off to a very good start. There are so many opportunities with the facility and the resources and everything that Auburn has. Mm-hmm. This is a, this, there's a chance. And 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 the window may not be there for forever. I yep. mean, you better do it now. The chance to make a what could turn out to be a monumental hire. Yeah, it's it's a lasting. Um, you know, you have a chance to make a lasting decision that sticks around for a while. And I just I keep going back to the fact that John Cohen in his press conference and the hire of John Cohen himself was just like Auburn did not you know try to pinch pennies with him or just no. be like, well, let's get another up and comer. Nope. Or, or let's, you know, he talked about Auburn being Auburn, but he didn't, you know, Auburn didn't just go, well, let's just to keep it completely familiar and somebody who, you know, knows, somebody or... who is, who is either here or has been here. Yeah. That to me signals that at least the swing is going to be happy. And like Lane Kiffin makes well, the I most think it's sense a, from the heels, baby. Yeah. From the I, heels. I think, I think Lane Kiffin's your biggest swing out there and it makes uh, a I ton of so sense. Too. And I'll tell you, if it ain't Lane, it it could very well be somebody we're not talking about yeah. right now, and I know we've exhausted pretty much all, like with Dan uh, Dan Lanning, Dave Aranda, like those have been mentioned, and at least been Mark Stoops mentioned, and, yeah, you know, and though I mean, like you're going to swing like hard, and you know Auburn may not be guaranteed to get anybody like that, but like I, they're going to try, they're going to definitely try. I don't think you're going to be in a situation like the last time you had a search where it was so chaotic and dysfunctional from the beginning and everybody was going off in their own different ways and it's like well we should just promote from within or we should go get this guy or this mm-hmm. guy and it just 
It results in that. It's just, I mean, look, LSU fired a guy who had won a national championship for him years before who was their fit, their guy, right? Yeah, who thought LSU was going to hire Brian Kelly? And they got Brian Kelly. Um, My my friend Richard Johnson at Split Zone uh, Duo and, and other places says it best. He's like, look, we just saw Oklahoma and Notre Dame get their head coaches poached. Anybody can get it. And here's the here's the thing. Auburn is in the most expensive and the most lucrative backyard in college football. They could go po- – you might be sitting here thinking right now, oh, there's no way Auburn can go get X, Y, or Z. <laughs> the money is going to be there. It's just going to be a matter of if, if the opportunity is going to be right. It is an interesting situation, though, after all those poaches that happened last year. Like, who, Who's who out there is available? Yeah, yeah who, who at least you would be like, man, people get really excited about that one. Other than Lane – you mean, then there are other ones. You can start pointing at ones like, oh, that would make a lot of sense. Oh, that would make a lot of sense. Um, but, yeah, like there's just, it's just been so dominant up top in college football that you're going to have to start trying to find out like who's left, who's next. Um, and so that's why that's why I think this is such a fascinating area. And, I, and I, John Cohen went out, of, went, went out of nowhere to get Joe Moorhead and Mike Leach. But and, as he said, this is, this is different. Yeah, this is different, and I would point out to – I'm not saying that in that's the type, the quality of coaches they could go get. I'm saying it's more of the opportunity like, – of like, Who? don't rule yeah. it out. <laughs> don't don't rule it out. I mean, if, if you have a name, don't rule it out. That's just my thing. And like, Stay tuned. Yeah. I, I, I think, uh, you know, very likely three weeks from now, Auburn will have its new coach. Yeah. I three weeks too. from now will be – you know, the Thursday heading into the SEC championship game. I think they may have had a coach for a couple of days by then. It helps that their number one target uh, plays on Thanksgiving instead of uh, uh, set Iron Bowl Saturday. Doesn't I think hurt. that'll help. I'll Justin, that'll one help more time, let everybody know about the Observer and how they can get it. Yeah, AuburnObserver.com. $6 a month or $60 a year. Sign up there. ton of basketball, ton of football. We email it all to you. It's a ton of stuff going on. Uh, it's a great time to sign up. My man, thanks for, uh, for hanging here the first hour. I'll see you at either basketball or football. Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna be there tomorrow, at, uh, oh yeah, I'll see you over sure, at yeah. the uh, at we'll, our walkthrough. We'll go hang out. We'll go hang out at the, we'll the, the, at the new facility. And get oh it. yeah. All right, we need to step aside. Halfway done. Stick with us here on the Thursday drive. ESPN 1067. WGZZ HD3 Waverly and W294AR Auburn Opelika. Doug Brown, the Attorney General of Washington, D.C., files a civil lawsuit against the commanders and the NFL. Carl Racine is accusing them of colluding to deceive fans about the league's investigation of the team's toxic workplace. Team owner Daniel Snyder and Commissioner Roger Goodell are also named in that lawsuit. No practice again today for Bills quarterback Josh Allen with a right elbow injury. ESPN's Rob Ninkovich says the Bills need to be cautious. He has an ulnar collateral ligament yes. sprain. And when a sprain, when you say sprain, there could be maybe a little bit of tear there. There could be something that we don't know about. But also with an ulnar collateral injury comes some nerve issues, maybe gripping, maybe some fingertip numbness. Rob Ninkovich on Get Up. NFC South matchup tonight in Charlotte. The 2-7 and seven Panthers host the 4-5 and five Falcons who are tied for first place. Nike co-founder Phil Knight tells CNBC he doubts the company will stay in business with Nets guard Kyrie Irving. They suspended their relationship last week. 
ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive Commercial Insurance can protect your small business with over 30 coverage options, an easy-to-use mobile app, personalized discounts, and more. Get a quote in as little as six minutes at ProgressiveCommercial.com. Discounts and coverage selections not available in all states or situations. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome in. It's hour number two of the Thursday Drive on this Thursday evening. Yes, here we are at 5 o'clock Thursday evening. Welcome in, everybody. Bill and uh, here in the studio with Drew at the controls. Our thanks to Justin Ferguson. He's usually with us for the full show, but he had some things to take care of. So uh, um, I've got it solo here in hour number two. But we've got a uh, special guest, our regular Thursday uh, guest, David Pascal, will be joining me here in just a few minutes. But uh, first of all, let me uh, go ahead and remind you that hour number two of the drive... Brought to you by the good folks at the Orthopedic Clinic, East Alabama's go-to center for orthopedic care, with locations in Auburn and Opelika on the web at orthoclinic.com. And, uh, yeah, we, we will we'll get to David, uh, and he will be on the Kia of Auburn hotline. Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one. And uh, then a little later on, we will open up the lines for you and the Kia of Auburn hotline number for you to get through will be uh, 334-321-1390. Drew is back. He's been uh, under the weather and out for a few days. He sort of handles our text box. So you can uh, you can once again text us on the drive text box, which is brought to you by Southeastern Industrial Contractors. And the number to get you through uh, on the text box is 334-564-1840. Southeastern Industrial Contractors, also the sponsor of the daily podcasts of The Drive. And uh, Southeastern Industrial Contractors, an Alabama-based firm now hiring for great-paying skilled trade positions. You can give them a call at 334-209-6355. And let's get to the Kia of Auburn hotline. Again, uh, just Bill and Drew here on this Thursday afternoon as we welcome in our good friend from the uh, Chattanooga Times Free Press and Times um, and the uh, and the ESPN Chattanooga, where he just wrapped up his show a little while ago. And that's David Pascal. David, how you doing today? Bill, I'm doing marvelous. Drew, Drew's a good dude. Here's my question for you. It's you and Drew. What determines days where sometimes it's you and sometimes it's you, Dan and Justin? Uh, you, you, sometimes that lineup changes. Well, it's it's whoever shows up. For, no, no. It's Dan, <laughs> Dan also Dan also handles Troy women's basketball, and they've got a game tonight. So so gotcha. Dan's not okay, here. Okay, so this time of year, yeah. Right. So this time, yeah, Dan's, uh, you know, around most of the time except when the the Troy women have a game. Justin is usually here for both hours, but he had something come up and had to leave after hour number 1. So I'm pretty much the the steady uh thing. You know, it's like it's usually it's me regardless. I mean, last week I was doing the show from the house because I'd had shoulder surgery. 
I'm back in the studio this week and feeling a whole lot better. So uh, I'm the one that they just uh, they don't seem to worry about. It's like, well, no matter what, it's gonna be it's gonna be Bill. All right, Rocket Gibraltar, get after. It. Yeah, man. Well, I tell you what, there's been it, it, there really hasn't been a day where I go, well, I don't want to be involved because there's really not much going on. There's been plenty going on here over the last couple of weeks. Obviously, last Monday on the day that I had surgery, Auburn makes an announcement that they're making a change at head coach. Uh, you see that Carnell Williams is going to be the interim coach, and then John Cohen is is announced as the AD. So I couldn't take off on that. If I couldn't take off on a day that I had surgery, I couldn't take off any others. But, man, since then, we had another wild weekend in college football, especially here in the SEC. And uh, even though the, the Auburn-Mississippi State game didn't get many headlines, um, it, it was a game that obviously was was of great interest and meant an awful lot to to Auburn folks, the way that Auburn came back and competed and uh, took Mississippi State to overtime before falling this past weekend in Starkville, a weekend in which... Auburn, Alabama, and UAB all lost in overtime. And I know that had never happened before. So, right. so I mean, plenty plenty to talk about and going on. I'd, I'd love your thoughts from uh, what were the, um, the, the things that really caught you from this past weekend in college football. Yeah, it was an incredible, um, you know, I'm, I'm coming back from, from the Georgia-Tennessee game, which we can certainly talk about. But, I, you know, got got Bama – Bama LSU on the phone and that game like you said goes into overtime and LSU wins it on a on an incredible call to just go for the win in that situation and then you switch over and uh you got the Auburn Mississippi State game and gosh you freeze a kicker who makes three straight kicks or whatever so uh impressive nerves there but yeah, and did I read right where where Auburn Texas A and M is sold out? Yes. I mean, a lot of people would look at this as the disappointment bowl, uh, but to your point, it's obvious that you know Auburn has not had the season it's wanted, and and this is kind of the the final stand. I mean, you've got Western Kentucky in a in an Iron Bowl on the road after this, so uh, I thought that just spoke volumes for you know the rallying around Cadillac for this game. Auburn fans have wanted to have something to really be excited about for for a couple of years. And, I mean, uh, a great show last year in the Iron Bowl. But uh, I, I really think, and Jason Caldwell yesterday, uh, David, Jason said he thinks the Tiger Walk Saturday late afternoon may be the most exciting Tiger Walk at Auburn since 1989. That's how excited Auburn fans are just about the possibilities for the future and and I think wanting to show their appreciation to Cadillac. Well, and that's cool and 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 for the players too because I mean the fans and everybody can be guilty of getting too wrapped up and and taking these losses hard and 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 we lose perspective sometimes that we're not the ones on those early August days putting the work in and uh, and, and nobody, this season has not gone to anybody's liking, obviously, down at Auburn. And so I'm sure that's going to mean an absolute ton. Um, that said, when you, when you bring back the Tiger Walk of the 89 game, I mean, that's just, I remember driving around Auburn that morning with David Housel. And I mean, it was just because I was a, you know, a student assistant. That was, that was my last game at Auburn as, wow. uh, you know, I graduated in August and worked for the athletic department that fall. So, I knew I was moving back to Chattanooga after that and just 
to, to drive around Auburn that day with David Housel still just one of those days I'll never forget. And I'll never forget that Tiger walk. And um, that's neat to hear that, that, that the atmosphere and, you know, Tennessee has up, up the road in Knoxville has just, you know, in, enjoyed this absolute rebirth under Josh Heifel the last couple of years to where, you know, they've got a shot to, to go 7-0 and in Neyland this week. They haven't been undefeated in Neyland uh, since 07, I believe it is. And mm. so uh, the crowds up there for the Vol Walk have just been gargantuan this year. So it's neat that, that Auburn fans have rallied because I took my youngest down to the Ole Miss game last year, and I thought that was a pretty neat atmosphere. It just seems like that's the last big win that program's had. Oh, you're right. You're right. I mean, uh, only only one Power 5 win since, and that's because Missouri could just couldn't win despite uh, you know everything Auburn could could do to give them the game. Missouri couldn't get that win. So um, so yeah, it, it is crazy. You're right. I mean, a pair of three and six teams on five game losing streaks, but on completely opposite ends of the spectrum as far as the I think the feeling about those teams. And this will probably set an SEC record as far as the bigging, biggest discrepancy in coaching salaries because <laughs> one coach makes nine million and the other coach makes four hundred thousand. Oh, you're right. Well, uh, well, I, let, I wanted to talk a little more about last week, but I, I can't. Sure. I can't. Um, yeah, but no, I mean that leads perfectly into into this, um, and we'll get back and talk a little more about the game itself. But if Auburn beats Texas A and M. Does Jimbo Fisher is Jimbo Fisher the coach at A and M next year? If they go four and eight, for example, if they lose this one and go four and eight, can he be back next year? Uh, you know, it's always that weird dynamic of do you bring somebody back with the plan of firing them at the end of next year if they're not markedly better? I mean, you know, Texas A and M was preseason number six each of these last two years. I mean, that's. That's ten and two, eleven and one territory that you're mm-hmm. thinking. Um, so even the thought of like if he's four and eight, uh, do you bring him back next year? What, what if he goes seven and five next year? You're not you're not paying him nine mil to go seven and five. So I don't know. I I, I never would have thought that we'd be entertaining a question like that uh, because of the buyout. I mean, you would think that he'd get one more year, but people can write checks like that out there like there's no problem, but. I would still think he would get one more just because of the injuries and how they could make some noise in the portal. But um, I, I love what Lane Kiffin said the other day. He said that, you know, you can change a roster in the portal quicker than ever before, but you can lose a roster in the mm-hmm. portal quicker That's than right. ever before. And, you know, you know Texas A&M, they're, they're five stars that they got this last year. You know, some are from Florida. There's one from Knoxville. I mean, they're from all over. And, all, and they've got a lot of folks that could bail on them. If they do have that four and eight type of year, oh, you're absolutely right. I will. Well, we'll look. We'll take a quick look at the Auburn A&M game in a little bit. But I mean, uh, last week you mentioned LSU knocking off Alabama. I wasn't. Uh, um, I guess I wasn't stunned. A little surprised um, at that. But uh, Florida beating Texas A&M. I mean, there were there were a few games that. that uh, I mean, it really has been, except for Georgia. There, there have been quite a few surprises as to how the seasons have gone all around this league. Oh, no doubt, and I mean, you know, and I'm not on the, I'm, I'm not waving the whole 
banner of Alabama's dynasty is over no. because, you know, people are pointing out their, their close losses. What, what concerns me is how they've looked against Texas and Texas A&M and just how many one possession games they're having to play now. Because, I mean, it's kind of weird to look back at that COVID year, but Alabama was just so dominant that year. And ever since then, it just seems like every other weekend they're in a really tight game. Um, especially on know, the road. But yeah, there have been. What now? I said especially on the road. Correct, correct. Uh, but, you know, the, the A&M game was at home, and I know right. they had a backup quarterback, but still, you're Alabama against Texas A&M uh, at home. You should take care of business there. But, yeah, I mean, credit Georgia. They had the Missouri scare uh, where they had three turnovers, and Missouri kind of shrunk the game. And, and, of course, last year, I mean, last week, I should say, it's kind of funny because people are asking Heifel and, you know, did – did Georgia develop the blueprint for how to stop Tennessee's offense? It's like, well, Georgia's got Jalen Carter. I mean, that's a top five NFL draft pick uh, who was very disruptive last. I mean, what Georgia has is the talent. What Georgia has is the atmosphere. They had the atmosphere last week. I mean, I know you've been over there a bunch, Bill. I mean, Georgia typically through the years has not had the same type of crowd advantage like a Jordan Hare, a Tiger Stadium, or a Swamp, or, you know, just because of the way that stadium's constructed, but that was a really, really good atmosphere that obviously affected Tennessee. Um, I, I, I just don't think there's, I, I don't think it has a lingering effect. I think Missouri is better this year, but I think Tennessee bounces back and, and gets a nice win, but yeah, I mean, you know, Florida, Texas A&M, who knew that Texas A&M would be missing so many players due to the flu, but that that's a nice win for Florida. You know, their next two games are South Carolina and Vandy, so that's a chance to, you know, have a, you know, the, the game that all of a sudden gains a little more meaning this year is Florida FSU, because, you know, what oh, yeah. FSU did to Miami the other night was brutal, so, um, but yeah, there, there have certainly been, you know, Kentucky's up and down, Mississippi State's up and down, you, you can't, uh, LSU's just been up, up, up outside of the Tennessee game since their season opening loss at FSU. So, I mean, I guess of all the surprises, the fact that Georgia and LSU could each punch their tickets to Atlanta, uh, Georgia is no surprise whatsoever. LSU, who would have thought that would be the case in Brian Kelly's first year? Well, LSU's got to, you know, they've got to beat Arkansas this weekend. And I think that's going to be a, that's going to be a battle. Uh, the, the, I know the Hogs lost this past weekend to Liberty, and that's given Hugh Freeze a, a boost, you know, as, as people are talking about potential candidates at Auburn. But, uh, it's hard for me to believe that Arkansas wasn't thinking about LSU a little bit last week, uh, especially at the outset when Liberty jumped all over them. And, uh, that's a physical team playing an LSU team that, you know, usually the week after a team plays Alabama, it's a little bit of a struggle physically. I, I think that's going to be a heck of a ball game in Fayetteville. Well, and I do too. And I don't know if you saw the stat I read today, where because that line's been sitting there at like two and a half, three and a half, um, there there's more money on LSU Saturday than on any NFL team on Sunday. Wow! People are just loving LSU that. in this game, and uh, I think a huge reason is we just don't know KJ Jefferson's status. Right. Um, and so I think obviously that becomes a because I think there's a pretty noticeable drop off there. Mm-hmm. You know, some teams don't have much of a some teams can avoid that drop off, but I don't think Arkansas is one of them. And so I think that is factoring into why a lot of people are liking LSU too. Because I'm the same way. I mean, you know, Fayetteville's been, uh, you know, that LSU that LSU Arkansas rivalry 
you know, that, that, that home field advantage, there are a lot of times where the visiting team's gone in their favorite and come away with a loss. So I could see that. It's just Jefferson's health in that game is a huge factor. Oh, you're not, you're not kidding. Talking with David Pascal from the Chattanooga Times Free Press and uh, ESPN Chattanooga. Mentioned uh, Florida, South Carolina. That's an interesting one. South Carolina with a better record right now. But I just feel Florida is more talented. I agree. There's a little bit of a payback element because South Carolina caught Florida last year when the wheels were coming off. You know, Florida has quietly, you know, we've talked about it. They've had a nice offensive line all year. Um, they're either first or second in the country in yards per rush, uh, like 5.9. I mean, they, they are just really running the ball well. Uh, they haven't turned the ball over in three games. So this is a, a team that's playing nice and clean. And so, yeah, I think, I think Florida wins this one 11, 12 points in that neighborhood. Um, Alabama is in Oxford. Um, you know, I, I've had, you know, people talking about Alabama doesn't lose two straight and the, and they don't last time Alabama lost, uh, back-to-back games, I guess was Nick Saban's first year. Um, but Alabama is also not used to playing many games at all after their second loss of the season. If they ever get to, to two losses and Ole Miss had the open date last week. They've struggled defensively, but there's just, you know, there seem to be just some things missing. Bryce, Bryce Young has not been as sharp. I know a lot of it has to do with the fact that he doesn't have, you know, just superstar receivers, but, but Alabama nearly a two touchdown favor. That seems like a lot of points in Oxford this weekend. I agree. I agree. I felt that one was too large all week long as well. I guess I, you know, Alabama, they just play so many close games now that I'm picking a close one, and I think they uh, pull it out. But, yeah, I think it's uh, – I know Ole Miss is geeked up for this one. They have the SEC's last open date. So, I mean, there are a mm-hmm. lot of intangibles that are lining up their way. And it's just, you know, as someone who covers – you know, does my share of Alabama articles and, and press co- – you know, Zoom calls or whatever, you know, it's interesting just to hear them talk about the challenge of – basically playing out the string. I mean, it's just uh, they haven't – this is the first time since Saban's first year that they've had – well, I guess in 10, I guess in 10 they had lost yeah. to South Carolina and LSU, mm-hmm. but it's just so weird to think that, that, that they're – you know, here they are with multiple games in November where, you know, they, they it's just about pride and upholding a standard and those kind of comments that you hear. So, you know, but I'm like you. I just think they're a better team across the board – you know, and should win that game. It's just what happens if things get tight and that play starts getting crazy. Oh, you're right. And, and a lot of Auburn people really watching that, really watching that closely. I said, it's, is it a, a, a bit of a problem for Auburn people? Because if Ole Miss wins that game, how likely is it that, that I think it's less likely that Lane Kiffin is ready to, to move from Oxford because he's got a chance than to, to make it to the playoffs, whether or not he wins the SEC West. Yeah, I think, uh, is that kind of the sentiment down there that he is the front runner? I, yeah, I mean, and I don't, I don't, I don't know if that's just, yeah, I don't know if it's just the fans' sentiment. We're, we're definitely not getting that from John Cohen, but I think the feeling is Lane is the top target. Let's, Auburn's going to swing and, and take as many swings as they can and see if they can uh, make contact. 
Yeah, and I mean, uh, there's so many different ways to look at that, and and maybe you know, if, if Ole Miss does pull the upset and and they go to a nice bowl again, maybe he's like, you know, this is, you know, we went to the Sugar Bowl last year. Maybe this is as good as it can get here. Um, and you have seen a higher ceiling at Auburn. It's just it's interesting because the the high ceilings at Auburn are, are kind of getting they're kind of getting a little bit in the in the rear view. I mean, you you have the ten national championship, thirteen playing for it again, and you had the I guess number two in the country in 17 after the regular season. So that's not too far in the distance. It's just the last couple of years have been just so they, they've been what they've been. Um, but yeah, I could see, I could see Lane Kiffin maybe saying this is as good as it gets. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll give the, the bigger school a shot. It's just so wild living through the whole Tuberville bit that you could, you know, you could have the potential of history repeating. It's just Kiffin's been very careful in how he's, Handled that on the mm-hmm. you know SEC teleconference when asked. He's, he's certainly not going to say pine box because I think that <laughs> one's been used. <laughs> no, no, you're right. But you know, just looking at it here, um, having having known Dr. Chris Roberts, and I I thought he did a, a great job in the AD search. People were speculating, but he wasn't letting anything out. Um, John Cohen, the the AD. I feel he's going to be making the call, and he has the support of Chris Roberts. I, I think there's an opportunity, David, to see something at Auburn that we haven't seen since Coach Die, and that is a combined supported effort moving in one direction with the new football facility, and Auburn's NIL apparently is really doing well, and they're not just going to be competitive. I think Auburn can can uh, match just about anybody with perhaps the exception of Texas A&M, as far as what they can offer players. So that's going to be very attractive, uh, and, and I don't see another job that is as attractive as Auburn's at the moment. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I, I do think there's, you know, it's, the neighborhood is getting tougher and tougher, though, as we Oh, know. yes. I mean, uh, you know, and it's about to with Oklahoma and Texas coming in. I just That's um, why it's critical to make the right hire. It is. And I, and I think that uh, the, the intent is a splash hire. Well, and, you know, you have this perception because, I mean, I have seen studies on the whole, you know, we have it's been all quiet about the whole uh, the one seven model or the three six model. You yeah, know, you're right. The SEC but there was there's been talk that they would break the SEC kind of unofficially into two levels, two eight team levels. Yep. Uh, and, and you would have to play two teams from your level and one from the other level. And and the and everything that I've seen has Auburn on the top level, mm-hmm. along with Bama, LSU, mm-hmm. Texas, Texas A and M, Oklahoma, LSU, Florida. I mean, that's your top level. Uh, and Tennessee, interestingly enough, it has been on the bottom level, uh, and they're having this great year. But, I mean, so Auburn is still viewed, you know, as a good team. It's just uh, they have got to make a, the right hire. I mean, I heard Cohen come and saying, I will have the, you know, I will have the ultimate say, and, and you hope that someone doesn't have to say something like that. You should have the ultimate say. You're the athletic director. Don't, you know, but, yes, I, I think Auburn has to move forward. It's been fractured so many times in the past, and, and like I said, I don't want to beat a dead horse. I just I, one of the most shocking to me, one of the most shocking transactions ever is when they announced the, the firing of Malzahn during a pandemic without anything lined up. Yep. Uh, the well, all those folks are gone. All the folks that made that <laughs> made that decision, uh, at least the, the ones that are employed by Auburn, are all gone. 
<laughs> well, I mean, because again, that's just that's one of the old timers. I, I'm just, I'll, you know, how do you oh, explain that right. to your grandkids? Yeah, yeah, there was a faction that wanted Kevin Steele. It's like what? Yeah, man, that seems like that seems like a long time ago now. It really does, David. I know we've held you for a long time. Great stuff as always. Where are you going to be this uh, this weekend? I, it's nice. I've got a noon game in Knoxville, Missouri, Tennessee. So by the time Auburn and Texas A&M kick off, hopefully I'll be back in the living room watching it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm loving the noon start. Yeah, no kidding. Well, let everybody know how they can keep up with everything you do up there in Chattanooga. Uh, timesfreepress.com and ESPNChattanooga.com. Outstanding. David, thanks a lot, man. Really appreciate it. and Look forward to talking to you again next week. All righty, Bill. You're quite the solo warrior. Keep after it. You're doing awesome. Thanks, David. David Pascoe from Chattanooga, from ESPN Chattanooga and the Chattanooga Times Free Press, joining us as he does on Thursdays. Need to get to break. I know we're behind, but, hey, that was great stuff, as always, with David. Uh, I'd love for you to join in on the Kia of Auburn Hotline when we return here on the Thursday Drive. Time to churn up some more yardage on the drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive. Final half hour here on this Thursday. Yeah, Drew did some adjusting there, and so we just have one more break. We went ahead and combined some of the things there so we wouldn't have to immediately go to another break. But it was great having David Pascal on. Right now we're opening up the phone lines, 334-321-1390, and let's get right to them. And Terry is up first. Hey, Terry. Hey, Bill. How you doing, man? Pretty good. Good. Bill, do you, uh, do you get the feeling that they might try to force an offensive coordinator on Jimbo Fisher before they pay out that kind of money for one more year at least? Uh, yeah, I think that's very reasonable. Um, and, and Jimbo is probably going to go down, you know, kicking and screaming. Um, I mean, he's got all the leverage. It's like, well, he'll either do that or they can pay him $85 million. But, yeah, his offense is outdated now. I wanted that. I wonder if that would be a possibility. So. Uh, on the coaching search, Bill, now, the one thing we think we can all agree on is none of us know who it's going to be. I agree. We all have opinions, and we think, you think you know, Sanders, Kiffin, Freeze, that, that bunch. It's going to be one of them three. But do you get the feeling right now that if it's anybody outside of it, uh, somebody with significant head coaching experience, it could be a disappointment? Uh, I'm sure it could feel like a disappointment. I, I would say this. If it, if it is not someone who has a track record that everybody goes, wow, that's a great hire, then um, the pressure will be on them to immediately produce recruiting, transfer portal, and then on the field. And I mean not waiting a year or so to start bringing talent in or start getting wins. And actually in that order you just mentioned. Yep. Because uh, Auburn is devoid of talent big time. And, and, and whoever, the, if it, well, let's just say it was one of those three coaches I mentioned, if they did leave for another job or another position or something, they're going to leave a law a lot better off than the previous coaches have. Oh, that is true. That's true, and and, and it's not a you know it's not a common thing. There aren't many places, um, you know, if you come to Auburn and you do a good job, there's there's not a whole lot of reason to leave. Right. I heard somebody today talking about Deion Sanders in Miami. I just I, I could never see that. First of all, Cristobal's only been there one year, right? How about South Florida? That would make more sense to me for him to get into a place where. 
they've really struggled. Um, and he, you know, he, he could, uh, I'd be interested in watching him battle Mario for, for talent down there. Well, I think the, you're, you're going to have a, I think that the, the, the state of Florida is really, really desiring a Cristobal Sanders Florida State Miami matchup. Kind of like the old days with Bowden and Jimmy Johnson or Dennis Erickson or whoever. Oh, yeah. I mean, right now, Florida State moved back into the top 25. They're the only team in the state of Florida that's ranked. That's unbelievable. Considering those, those Miami Florida State games were one versus two or two versus three. Oh, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Take care, Bill. Have a good night. Appreciate the call, Terry. Yep. And as we said, I mean, Florida's five and four now. And uh, Central Florida having a pretty good year under Gus. I think, I think they're in for a serious battle in New Orleans. Against Tulane. Willie Fritz, there's a guy that a couple of years ago we were talking about him. I know they had a bad year last year, but they're 8-1. and one. They're ranked. Tulane's ranked. Um, I mean, that, I think that's going to be a heck of a ball game this weekend. So, yeah, there, there's, some, there's some really interesting matchups this weekend. And, yeah, I agree, Terry. I, I, don't, I don't think we know. I think, um, I think there is some word or some... Uh, you know, there, there's some smoke coming from a few camps that are interested in the Auburn job. I don't know how much that is because of interest that has been expressed in them or interest that is coming from them. And I am sure that there are some other um, possible candidates who we haven't been talking about. And... I obviously couldn't tell you who they are because we haven't been talking about them. I mean, we haven't heard anything from them. But like you know, like like we were talking with Justin earlier, don't be don't be stunned if John Cohen pulls some pull, pulls another name out of the hat. And I know people will look the the first reaction people have is, yeah, well, look at what he did at Mississippi State when he went and hired Joe Moorhead. Well, Joe Moorhead was considered a great hire at Mississippi State when he was hired. He was the Penn State offensive coordinator and, and thought of very, uh, very much like a Dan Mullen, you know, as, as, as an offensive, you know, an offensive genius and, and thinking that's, that's kind of off the wall thinking. But again, as John Cohen said in his introductory press conference on Tuesday, you know, the resources and just, what Auburn has is going to create a it's going to create a different pool of candidates at Auburn than there were at Mississippi State. And remember then there how much talk had there been that had anybody had any inkling that he was going to be able to hire Mike Leach? I mean that that came completely I mean, there were so many names being mentioned, um, and most of them were not Power five head coaches. As a matter of fact, almost all of them weren't. If they were coaches, they were coaches at smaller school, head coaches, uh, at smaller schools, or they were assistants. And then he got it, and then he brings in Mike Leach. That tells you he can, he can handle the search and the negotiations without there being a lot of, uh, leaks. I would say there there are probably more people that will be trying to pry and get information about the Auburn job than there would have been at Mississippi State. But it's not like there was nobody trying to cover that and find out there either. So, um, yeah, maybe, you know, 
maybe at some point along the way. And I wanted to ask Justin his thoughts of, you know, when did he think it was likely? You look, and the regular season ends Thanksgiving weekend, and that is two weeks from now. Thanksgiving is two weeks from today. Two weeks, and that's hard to believe, isn't it, that Thanksgiving's two weeks from today? Um, and as, as Justin said, you know, uh, old, the, the Egg Bowl, old Miss Mississippi State, play on Thanksgiving. If, if Alabama knocks off Ole Miss this week, that will, that will pretty much knock them out of playoff contention. Um, so if, if Auburn makes a run at Lane Kiffin, how crazy would it be that Lane Kiffin could step down or Auburn could announce on Black Friday their next coach and he could be in Tuscaloosa observing um, the, the Iron Bowl. I mean, so, I mean, that's, that's, that's not likely, but it's also not impossible to, to think about. But even if Auburn, unless Auburn is going after someone who is playing in a conference championship game or is a team, if they're not in the conference championship, is still in the picture for the playoffs, and that would probably that would have to be a one-loss team like an Ole Miss um, that didn't make the conference championship, then you would think that the best time to make an announcement would be as soon as possible after the regular season ends on November 26th. And sometime in between that time, we had someone saying, well, why not wait until the SEC championship game the following Saturday and make that announcement to sort of, um, you know, one-up the SEC championship game? Well, first of all, I don't know that that's going to sit very well with Greg Sankey if you try to do that. But the second thing is, that doesn't give you that gives you one day before players can start entering the transfer portal nationwide. I think you would like to have your coach in place earlier than that so that that coach could then be um you know getting things lined up to be able to try to either retain players or bring in players from the transfer portal and it would also give you an extra few days as much you know almost a week getting ready for signing day, which, as I said, is December 21st. So you'd have, you could have from like November 27th or 28th, you know, depending on its if it's uh, Sunday or Monday after the Iron Bowl, after the regular season ends, you'd have three and a half weeks before signing date for that coach to be working to try to, you know, add to the signing class that you're going to have in December. 334-321-1390. Love for you to join in. Any thoughts on your mind uh, sports-wise? Scott Bagwell, who's usually with us on Thursdays, will join us tomorrow as uh, the Tigers get ready to host Dothan tomorrow night over at the Duck. So we'll, we'll get a preview game day from Scott. Um, as you know, the uh, the playoffs continue into week number two, and again, uh, the, the this region 
all winning this past week. So Dothan's at Auburn while Enterprise is at Central. If Auburn wins, they would travel to Central. But if Enterprise knocked off Central, Auburn would stay at home. But the first thing they need to do is win tomorrow night over at Duck Sanford. We'll go ahead and get to our final break when we come back. Uh, we'll see if we can uh, run a little of the audio from Bruce Pearl, who met with the media earlier today, previewing the South Florida game tomorrow night. And, of course, get to your calls, 334-321-1390, as we continue here on the Thursday Drive. Now, more of The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in. Final segment of The Thursday Drive. Be careful if you're out and about. It is not nice right now. A lot of wind and rain. So be careful if you have to be driving this evening. Uh, as I mentioned, Bruce Pearl met with the media today, previewing tomorrow's matchup, game number two of the season, as uh, South Florida comes in town. And thought we'd let you hear some of the comments from Coach Pearl. I, uh, I just like to give a shout-out to the Auburn family and the Auburn fan base. Um, Two things. One, our home opener, uh, the effort and energy uh, in that building uh, and the environment was was incredible. Uh, it felt like an SEC, big, big SEC game late in the year. Um, and the students were incredible. The fans were incredible uh, to sell that thing out. Um, and it just, as a result, I thought our guys played with great energy as well. Um, and uh, I know our players are grateful. I know they are. And uh, and then on top of that, you know, to read about the fact that our game Saturday night against Texas A&M is a sellout, um, you know, what a great what a great statement the Auburn family and, and our Auburn fan base is making to our coaching staff and the players, um, you know, supporting them uh, in a season that obviously is not going to be a championship season uh, with with some transition. So, just a shout out to our fans, and it makes it makes make my job easier, but it also continues to make me feel. Uh, I've got a real. I feel a real responsibility to keep delivering great basketball, and uh, we're working hard um, uh, to do that. Uh, so Friday night, South Florida. You know, South Florida. We were down 25-10 the first half. Um, we were down at halftime. We were down for most of the game, um, and um, you know that was uh, it was a tough matchup for us. South Florida is a really good defensive team. Brian Gregory, the coach there, uh, you know, was a uh, uh, Tom Izzo disciple amongst you know several others, and they do a great job defensively. They they they, they guard you, they scout you, they take away things that you're good at. Um, they were as prepared for us as any team we played against, um, and um, it was it was obviously a real struggle. Um, you know, they they uh, things they do de- things they did defensively really bothered us. Um, and we had a hard time scoring. I mean, we had, I mean, I think ten points in. I mean, in about fifteen minutes of basketball, something like that. So um, they'll guard us the same way, and so we'll have to do a better job uh, executing ourselves offensively. But at the same time, continue to guard them um, when uh, because it's not going to be a high-scoring game. Um, 
they've got a lot of a uh, lot of transfers. You know, they got uh, kid Harris from Memphis um, and kid Bryant from South Carolina. We played for a million years now, um, and and play him again this year, um, and uh, several others. Um, so it's a uh, it's a you know a talented roster from a you know, the American League from a good league. So and a team we struggled with last year. So we'll have to play better. Well, to speak specifically about the way they defend, I'm not going to give their scouting report as far as what bothered us, um, but they, they put great pressure on the ball. They have really good athletes. They're really fast. They're really quick. And I, I would say their ball pressure and their scout, like they, they really, really had a good feel for what we were trying to do. And they did a great job of taking that away. They're really prepared. Bruce, how close is West Bridge to return the practice and get back involved? I'm saying again. Uh, Chris West, how close is he Chance. 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 Yeah, that's right. Uh, I can't hear any other wrong first name. Other than that, we were perfect. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, he's close. Um, yesterday was the first day that Chance came back and he went full speed with the team. Uh, did not go live. And so, um, um, and, and probably won't do much more of this. I, I don't think he plays Friday, but he's getting, he's getting closer. Yeah, uh, we've battled it last week and a little bit less this week, but um, it, 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 it's a factor in your preparation. But has did it run its course through the team last year, last week, more than this week, or over the weekend? Hopefully. Uh, Bruce, uh, you mentioned the uh, the support for the football team. What? Have you been able to talk to Coach Caddy? If so, what are those interactions? Any advice? Or, I know you're busy. I'm <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's busy and I'm busy. You know, other than just you know just communicating with, him, letting him know how proud I am for for the way those guys played and how hard they played and the passion, and intensity, and and so just I have communications with a lot of our coaches like that. So anything in particular you'd like to see improve from game one to game two? Um. You know, I'd love to see some, if we could obviously continue, just kind of learn, you know, just like communicating defensively. It's hard to communicate defensively because it's so loud. So in some of our very first early ball screen calls, um, we got our calls wrong. But sometimes when the calls are wrong, you still, your body can still recover and put itself in the right spot. And so uh, we weren't able to adjust to the fact that we couldn't hear each other communicate. And then we had some real breakdowns defensively um, so communication and then reading body language as well as not being able to hear um, and then um, you know I just thought that I thought that when we got inside out rhythm threes or things along those lines we shot them pretty well and we didn't shoot very well off the bounce seemed like every time we pat it and pull it uh, we didn't make any of those so we just got to continue to a better job of finding good threes to take and make Stretch in the first half. I think you guys had an inside pass to Janai in like four or five possessions. Are you were you happy with the way they, they fed him in that first game with his touches? Given that you guys haven't had a, a, a true back to the basket. Yeah, I mean it was good. He's got he's got the first few points for us, and 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 we definitely have between Dylan and Janai, Jalen and Yoan. We actually have four guys down there that can score, and 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 that is a strength of our team. Now, the great challenge with post offense is number one officials. Rarely call defensive post-defensive foul. Rarely. They allow the defense to just 
be very physical. And then as soon as the offense initiates contact and, and, and kind of walls up or does anything in the way of sealing illegally, those are all offensive fouls. It's just a very interesting way the way they're guarding it. I'm not being critical. I'm just saying it's the way they're guarding it. They let, your, they let the defense, I think, play much more physically. Now we play physically defensively in the post, too. So we'll take advantage of the way that. Then the second thing is throwing the ball in there is, is, is an art. It's an art. And, you know, on time and on target. And not everybody can do it. So it's a challenge to get it in there. So I thought we did a pretty good job in there. And then once it goes in, they're going to let those, they're going to let, they let a lot of contact. So back when we were growing up, inside shots were a high percentage shot. You don't see any inside shots in the NBA except transition and dunks. You don't see any post game because the guys are too big, too, too strong. It's too physical and they're not calling fouls. So, Interior post offense in the NBA is non-existent, and in college has become a lower percentage play versus an open three. And so, but you got to, we got to go to what, what, what one of our strengths, and one of our strengths is getting inside, and 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 so yes, we'll continue to play through all the nonsense I just gave you. In that, in that vein, do you think then it's important, like you said, he, he got y'all's first two baskets, and again, do you think it's important to? Get him going early. That way, like you said, once they once they gets one going. Yeah, no, I, I getting. You know, uh, I'm not big on. Uh, I, I would say, you know, early. I'm more about matchups than I'm just establishing him early or establishing a low post player early. It's like, it's like when officials say we're gonna we're gonna call it we're gonna call it close early on the inside. Establish how we're gonna call it. I'm not I'm not big on necessarily that. That would be more of more of a, a, a going at a matchup early. Auburn, South Florida tomorrow night. Auburn Dothan High School football playoff tomorrow night. We'll talk with Scott Bagwell. Hey, our thanks to Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer for joining us here in hour number one. Dan should be back tomorrow. Oh, we're we're on the road at Skybar tomorrow as well. As we preview the weekend, should be a lot for us to talk about. But we're out of time here on the Thursday edition of The Drive. Have a good one, everybody. We are out of here.